0: Welcome to First Responder Friday. My name is Conrad Weaver. I am your host for the program and we are broadcasting live while well, we're recording this live on uh, a little bit earlier this is not July third right now but we are recording this live because of uh, my wife and I are going to be traveling and so we decided to record this interview ahead of time and but so uh, we welcome you. Thank you for joining us today on our Facebook or YouTube. And if you would like to comment or ask questions, our guest today is going to be, is here with us and he is going to be in the room to take your questions as you ask them. And he'll put those, those comments and responses in the chat as you ask. So uh, it's exciting to, to be here. We have Matt Fiorenza is going to be joining us in just a minute and talking about uh, firefighter and paramedic wellness and the issues and things surrounding that. So we're excited to have him here. But I want to tell you a little bit about this program. So we are producing this live program. And and these interviews as a part of the PTSD 911 documentary that we're producing. We are bringing in experts from around the country to talk about wellness to talk about first responder wellness and uh, the issues surrounding that and we want to create an audience and a a message that our first responders need our support. And so if you could help us out and share this Facebook page or share the YouTube channel with your friends and your network, that would be awesome. And in just a couple of weeks, we are going to be launching our first crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo to help raise money for this project. So if you are so inclined to make a contribution to our film, we have great perks on there. And we there's also a way to honor a first responder. So once we launch that, you'll get to see what that's all about. But if you would like to sign up, go to ptsd911movie.com and sign up for our, our email so that you know exactly when we're launching and then share it with your friends in your network. That would be awesome for, for you to do that. We would really appreciate that. And so that will be launching on July 15th. We'll give you more information about that as we go forward. But today we are honored to be joined by Matt Fiorenza. Matt is a firefighter and paramedic in Southern California. He's been doing that for 18 years and uh, he's gonna talk a little bit about his story and then we'll dive in. Matt, welcome to the show today.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. It's, It's great to be here.
0: So tell me a little bit about how you got started in the firefighting and paramedic business?
1: Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm I not one of those people that, um, you know, wanted to be a firefighter since I was a little kid, you know. Um, but there was always part of me that that wanted to be of service. Um, I come from a, a military family. Um, my father was, uh, he was a Vietnam vet and a Marine and an Orange County Sheriff Sergeant. And so, you know, I, I I thought about long and hard um, growing up about what I wanted to do. Of course, like every, every kid, you know, I, I wanted to be a, a singer in a punk rock band and that didn't work out. So um, true story. Um, like I said, a part of me always wanted to be of service. So um, I met um, uh, my wife at the time. Her, her mom worked for the Forest Service and she was always talking about, um, she was a purchasing agent. She was always talking about base camp and fire camp and fire this and these campaign fires. And it just interested me. So I, you know, I thought this, this might be the thing. So I went in, uh, signed up for a, uh, a class down at uh, Mount San Antonio college in Southern California. And, uh, a, uh, a chief at the time, um, popped in a video of the men and women doing the job. And I was like, this is it. Hmm.
0: Yeah. And that you just kind of found your thing.
1: Right? Yeah, that was it. I was like, this is what I want to do. And, and, uh, yeah. And, uh, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. And for the next five years, I worked really, really hard. Um, as most first responders, um, who have or are on the job know it's, it's not easy. There are so many oops and hurdles and you know, there, there's so many things that you have to accomplish and get really, really good at getting the job is a job in itself.
0: Hmm. When yeah. was that time when you first realized that, man, this job is, is messing with me. This job is getting to me a little bit. Well,
1: you know, I, I um, I looking back now, I can I can tell you that um, I didn't really I didn't really know or I wasn't really conscious of what all this trauma was actually doing to my brain and and what was happening and that these coping skills that I had that weren't very good. Um, just weren't working after after a, a long period of time. So I mean, I remember the night the, the novelty of the job wore off. Um, it was a bad night, and um, I witnessed a lot of you know gruesome, um, horrible things that just happened, and some things that you know other human beings did to up to to human beings. And and it was just I remember the moment I was like, okay, I was up all night. It was just trauma after trauma after trauma. Um, you know, the novelty of the job wore off really quick and it wasn't that far into the job. It was probably, um, I would say seven, six, seven months into the job. Now I didn't really start having really, really bad, um, signs and symptoms, um, until it was about, I would say about 10 years on the job. That's when I started noticing the insomnia and the, um, the, the replaying of these, of these, um, horrific scenes over and over. And that eventually, um, you know, I, I, I was put on medication and, you know, and it just, it spiraled out of, out of control from there. But.
0: So when you first kind of became aware of some things happening in your, in your mind, you were still pretty young, right?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I got hired at 25 years old, which is pretty young. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, so yeah, I, I, like I said, I, you, these things start happening and you, and you really don't under, you don't know, right. It's, it's, I, back then it's just, um, Hey, if you're having trouble sleeping, it's because you, you were up all night and you couldn't, you know, you, you, yeah, there was just, there was no, it wasn't talked about, you know, it's just, you know, take a nap if you're tired. <laughs> You know, or
0: those things that people said, I mean, that your, your higher ups, you know, said, Hey, I mean, what I've been told is, you know, back in the day it was, you know, get over it. Here's a beer. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, I mean, a lot, a lot of the time that, that was it. And, and I was, I was down to take that beer because that's, you know, um, I'll just put it out there. You know, I'm, um, I'm an alcoholic in recovery, you know, so but back then, I was just—I like to—I like to have fun, and that, I was—I would gladly take that beer, you know. Is it, it? You had, you know, certain people on the job that were really empathetic and and compassionate. Um, that would tell you to, you know, go home and just rest and take it easy. I actually, you know, I actually had a, an engineer um, call my wife, um, at home one day and say, "Hey, take it easy on Matt today. It, we had a bad night." Which was really few and far between because mostly it was let's go have a beer or, you know, let's go, um, let's go joke about it. You know, there's, you know, there's, there's that dark humor that I was part of and, and I just don't believe in anymore, you know, and, and it's just, it's not healthy. Right. And I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I wasn't told at that time that that really post-traumatic stress is, you know, traumas in our job description and that post-traumatic stress is really a lot of just unborn grief and that I wasn't processing that grief properly. You know, and, and what I was taught recently is that, is that there's only, you know, the mature mood of a warrior is sadness. And the only way through sadness is tears. And that's how our body processes grief. And that, that I was told at a young, young age that boys don't cry, men don't cry, suck it up. You know, and that was a lot of the attitude. It was like, and that was the last thing I wanted to do as as a as a new firefighter was cry. You know, like if the guy saw me doing that, it was, yeah, I would probably get made fun of, and um, and I'd be the talk of the you know stations around town. Hey, did you hear Matt was you know Matt was bawling his eyes out like a big baby. You know, that just it's just not what we did. You know, and if if um, if you did, you were you were made fun of, really
0: you know. So then you said after about 10 years, you really, you got put on medicine, you, you know, were you like sent by the, by the chief to, to see a psychologist? What, what was the process there?
1: Um, you know, I would say, uh, no. Um, at, at first, you know, at, I, um, I dissociated, um, which is a fancy way of saying, you know, numb out in a lot of, um, unhealthy ways. So, the first people that would, um, you know, realize if you will, that, that there was a problem were the people at home, my family, right. So my relationship suffered, um, my relationship with my wife suffered. And usually I went to therapy or went to see a counselor or went to the doctor to talk about what was going on, on the wife card, we call it, you know, it was, it was showing up at home and, um, and not, um, not being there, not being present, not being a good husband, not being a good father. And, you know, time, uh, uh, anything I could do to escape what was going on up here at the time, I didn't realize was just hypervigilance and and really um, trauma to my brain. And what we know now is what I like to say is PTSI, right, that that it's an injury and that um all these coping skills would stop working and then it start, started affecting my my relationship and that and it was like you know my wife was like hey you probably need to go talk to someone and see someone so it really wasn't at the direction of the, of the chief at the time we we had an EAP um and I like to, to always say that that um, my department did the best they could with what they had at the time it's just that's, that's just a fact, you know, and I always like to say that because, because there were some mistakes made, but I don't blame anybody. I don't, um, I, I think, like, in particular now, my fire chief, Pat Russell, is super supportive mm-hmm. um, of everything I do out in the community now, and he was one of my biggest, um, he was one of my biggest advocates when everybody had kind of given up on me. So I like to say that they did the best they could with what they had, and, and so the EAP, that we went to um, as firefighters in the city I work for um, was just the EAP that the secretaries in the city went to and the, and the, you know, um, just anyone who worked for the city went to these particular doctors. Right. So there were a few times, yeah, that I, that I went on my own. um, And I just, I have to be candid and say that um, in real, cause cause this is going on and it's not a make wrong. It's just, I was told by one doctor who diagnosed me with post-traumatic stress disorder that um, I needed some Xanax and a good lawyer, you know, and um, and so, in, in to their defense, I wasn't always completely honest about what was going on with me and what what I was doing to dissociate. Uh, I just I wasn't ready because I I was still in a lot of fear because that's that's a, that's a um, it's a byproduct of post-traumatic stress. Is just being in fear a lot, and so I was in fear of losing the one thing I'd worked so hard for, right? That this mm-hmm. career as a firefighter. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, at first, I went on my own. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, so you know, without going into you know, you know, all the details, what what are some of those cliff notes that that kind of how far did it go, how how deep did it go, and then because I want I want to really focus on what you're doing today but let's hear, because I want to see where you went and and kind of where you came from.
1: Yeah. Um, So after, um, after the marriage failed, because of um, infidelity, you know, uh, another way of dissociation, it's not, um, I'm not making excuses for myself, but, you know, it's um, the use of extramarital affairs and, and things like, like of those nature are just another way that another bad coping skill. So between that and the drinking, um, I, you know, my marriage failed. And, and so going through a divorce, um, getting force hired uh, nonstop, um, having to, to pay um, a child support number that was based on a, a, a number of, financially that i was being forced to work overtime so it was this it was just a really it's this real scary cycle of telling the judge hey sir i really don't make this much money um it's just i get force hired because that's how the department's doing it right now for whatever reason and 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 um he's like let me see your last you know tax uh, last three tax years and he's like yeah you do make this much money so so there were times where um I would get a check. Most of it would go to my ex-wife for my child support and I would be left with a hundred, $200 because I didn't work any overtime. So between that, um, and a back injury, uh, that I suffered from really just, you know, wear and tear on our bodies as, as firefighters, we get beat up, you know? So, uh, between that, uh, back injury that left me, um, you know, laid up for a year after surgery, um, I really the ideation started around that time. And, and I just thought to myself, if I if I can't do this job, what can I do? What else? This, I put all the eggs in this basket. Who am I if I'm not a firefighter? And, uh, you know, it still makes me a little emotional, um, which is something I just let happen. Um, and and so after the surgery, I tried to get back to work. Um, the wheels fell off again um, in my life between the divorce I kept on giving, child custody of the kids. I got three sons, um, the post-traumatic stress, the alcoholism. Um I got in trouble. and and that's when um, I had uh, my closest suicide attempt and uh, ended up um, through now through the suggestion of the uh, the union, actually who uh, sequestered a contract with the counseling team international, which is a, it's a company that's, that is uh, uh, run by Nancy Bull, who's a wonderful woman, um, who put together uh, a, a group of counselors for first responders. And they're all uh, culturally competent clinicians. And so the long and the short of it is that um, I ended up um, by direction of the, uh, The uh, union president, who was still a really good friend of mine, Rick Cheatham, um, taking a bus because I had lost everything when I was injured. um, To this counselor, Shauna Hill, and um, and she suggested I go to a uh, a five and a half day trauma retreat called Save a Warrior. And um, and after I went through that whole process, um, my whole life changed my whole life changed. And, and, um, you know, that's, that's the long and the short of it, you know, the wheels mm-hmm. fell off and some really amazing people came back for me. Hmm.
0: So what, so what are you doing today? I mean, out of that, like you said, your life changed and now your focus is, I mean, you're still active as a firefighter and a par- and you're also a paramedic, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, so you're still working. Uh, you're, I guess you're off today, but, uh, you're still yeah. working Yep. so so what are you doing now in in exchange for what you've been given what are you doing
1: right so um a whole lot <laughs> and it's it's uh it's really really incredible how how different my life is today than it was three years ago when I ended up in the seat at at what we call saw or save a warrior <laughs> um i I just got off duty this morning you know and and i I Took a couple phone calls. I attended a meeting online, uh, a twelve-step meeting. Um, I talked to someone from that meeting. Um, I went home. I shaved real quick. I threw on you know these clothes and I headed to to the office um, in Costa Mesa, Newport area in Southern California, where I do outreach for um, First Responder Wellness by Simple Recovery, which is a treatment center set up um, by Dr. Stephen Odom. Um, Who's worked in addiction for a really, really long time and worked with special populations. Um, he put this together. We met along the uh, along the road, and uh, we hit it off. And he's um, one of my best friends and one of the most amazing men I've ever met. And uh, he uh, he put together this this really amazing program that I wish I would have had when I was struggling with with my addiction, right? And uh, it's all first responders. Um, it's uh, uh, addiction and co-occurring post-traumatic stress. So we 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 work on the alcohol or the drug issue. We um, we process all that stuff. We give these these folks here really good coping skills, and then we can work on the on the uh, the PTS. So um, we have culturally com- competent clinicians. It's just it's a really incredible, amazing program. Equine therapy, uh, EMDR, neurofeedback for people who um, you know we. Not one thing fits all, so we're really good at, at seeing what works. And we, um, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, you know that we have three houses and they're full. Um, the de- the detox is all um, first responder also, and and so we're helping a lot of people right now. So that's first and foremost, you know, I, I had to get sober when I when I left Save Warrior, and 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 that um, into twelve step program, and I was off duty on the back injury still. Um, and didn't know if I'd ever make it back to work, but I was—I really at that time was okay with it. I was—I was getting sober. I was going to meetings, and—and uh, and then just, just step by step, you know, just like these men had had told me, hey, look, if you if you meditate every day, um, if you say your prayers, if you go find somebody to help, you know, and stop thinking about yourself so damn much, you know, your life will get better, and—and and that you got to give it away to keep it, mm-hmm. and that was a concept that I would just. I didn't understand at all. It was like, Hey, listen, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna volunteer to do anything if I'm unless I'm making time and a half, you know, with my uniform on, I just, I, I was just, I was never taught um, to really, really how to be of service. I just wasn't right. So my dad left when I was very young and, and uh, I, I have a lot of childhood trauma. I mean, my life wasn't all bad, but there um, I just wasn't I wasn't taught those skills. Right. So, so these men taught me that. And that's what I did. I, I I meditate every day. I I teach meditation and I ended up getting really good at telling my story in 12 step. And so then, you know, guys on the department, I made it back to work, which is a miracle. You know, you're looking at a miracle that doesn't come from a place of ego. It's just, you know, I, I, I shouldn't, um, I shouldn't really be working for all the things I was doing to dissociate. And, and luckily, you know, by the grace of God and some really good men, I, you know, I still have a job. And so I got my act together and um, I was out, teaching meditation just different people along the way were like hey why don't can you come to this fire academy um shauna hill who was my therapist at the time was a colleague of mine now was like hey why don't you come down and uh, teach the alcohol portion of our uh, of the our peer support classes and because my guy canceled and it was just all these things started falling out of the sky and i just got really good at telling my story and i went out and it was just, i got you know one day a buddy of mine was like hey can you come teach the basic fire academy meditation and tell your story i was like okay and it just so happened that the 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 chief was there that day. He listened in, um, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, I think this. We want to make this part of our curriculum." And all of a sudden, I'm, you know, I, I worked the next day. I was in my board shorts and flip flops. I went down to the to college, uh, Santa Ana, um, Santa Ana College, where they have a fire tech program, and I got hired in my board shorts and flip flops to teach mental health, you know, for for. Um, for the, uh, the new recruits, which is really, really one of my favorite things to do is to Is that
0: common? I mean, in the fire service for, for a new recruits to be, have a whole class on mental health. Is that common? Um,
1: so I would say not really, but it is becoming more and more common. Um, especially, um, uh, in, in Southern California, I think in, in California, um, altogether, I think we're, we're one of the States that's really, um, between Cal fire and, the committees that they put together to to write curriculum for the state fire marshal. And when it comes to mental health, um, I think we're at the tip of the spear in the state. I, I work with a lot of those clinicians and a lot of the people that are, that are kind of doing that. And, and so I, I would say here in California, we're really, really good at it. Um, I'm trying to get my, you know, I've been to Arizona. I've spoke, um, I'm trying to get out to Colorado. You know, I, some days I just get on the phone and I just, I cold call. I really do. I look at the biggest cities in Colorado. And I call, uh, I pick up the phone and I get a hold of their peer support lead, and I just say, "Hey, look, this is who I am, and I want to share some of our resources and And you know, at first, you know we're i I, I hate saying this, but it kind of makes sense is that as first responders, we're kind of like the mafia, you know, in a way, we you you really have to we're we're a tight knit group of people, and you got to be vouched for, and you got to really know what you're talking about for for us to um. To believe you, if you will, or to even let you in, right, to our circles, especially when it comes to this, because a lot of this stuff has been kept a dirty little secret for a long time, right? Our, it's not um, it's not fires that are killing us. It's not cancer that's killing us. It's not, and I'm speaking for, you know, I can speak for both police and fire right now. It's just not line of duty deaths that's killing us. We're killing ourselves. Right. We have a suicide epidemic going on. So a long way of answering your question is that um, I think in California it's becoming more common. Um, I teach the mental health portion at Santa Ana College. Um, I wish I could go out all day long and just teach at academies but but some of the local fire departments have asked me to come out and, and teach at their at their at their fire academies and I do and, and it's funny because when I first came back to Anaheim right um, you know I had burned a lot of bridges and I, and I was not a very nice guy um, and I was I just... I was a totally different person when I came back to work and it took my own department a little while to re- to really, you know, they were just kind of watching me from afar. Like, is Matt, is, is this real? How long is this going to last? Like, and then, um, I was actually teaching all these other fire academies. And, and then because I'm at the station that has the training company and, and one of my dear friends is, is a training company chief, uh, finally asked me to teach in Anaheim. So, um, uh, I, I started helping and just kind of teaching meditation. Meditation is a big part of my um, my healing. I don't take any medications anymore. And I was on Lexapro and Ambien and all these medications that um, they were throwing at me That i and self-medicating. And I just, I you know, meditation is my medication now. And so uh, warrior meditation is what was taught to me at Save a Warrior, which um, is a, a, a trademark meditation technique that these men give away for free. And so I just kind of started teaching that because it was working for me. And then um, my uh, sponsor at the time um, in 12 step was like, Hey, have you ever heard of the meditation? And I was like, no, what's that? He's like, well, I go out to the desert in 29 palms and I I meditate for 18 hours a day and I take a vow of silence and I don't speak for 10 days and I eat vegan and I'm like, that sounds really miserable. I'll never, (laughs) you know, Um, but I did it. I did it. And, uh, and it was a game changer. So I, I, Vipassana meditation is the technique the Buddha taught in its purity and it, it takes 10 days to learn it. And I try to do one 10 day sit, we call it um, a year. So, uh, meditation has been really important to me. I, and, and like I said, I teach it. The college also sends me out to different fire departments. Um, uh, two days ago I was in the uh, city of Burbank teaching their fire department, how to meditate. And, and, um,
0: and it's it's What's interesting. the response from people. What are what are they saying? and The feedback you're getting,
1: right? That's that's a great question. Um, so when it, when it, I mean, if you look at me, I'm you know I'm all tatted up. I'm, I'm kind of a big guy. I'm not a little guy, and, and I have a story behind it. And I'm I'm one of them. So the way I deliver it, and then for us, when I talk about the science behind meditation and what it what it does to to um, to heal your neural pathways, and that our brains are neuroplasticity, and these are you know this is these are things that um, these that speak to these folks, especially, you know, cause we're, you know, we're kind of like doctors, just kidding, as medics. And, and we, we understand a little bit of, um, uh, of science and medicine. And, and so that speaks to these people. And then here, this is the thing. And I tell them, um, straight up, look, if, if I was you five years ago and I was sitting up here or you were sitting up here saying you're going to teach me meditation and that's going to solve a lot of my, a lot of my problems. Um, I would think that you were crazy and I would be the guy making jokes and being a jerk. So I tell them if, 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 if uh, if you're thinking that it's OK, but here's the thing today, I'm going to teach it to you. We're going to do it together and we might share your experience if you want to. And I promise you, if you keep doing it, um, things will change mentally, physically and spiritually. If you want to talk about that stuff, you can call me. Right. So um, I make them do it. And and it usually they, you know, I get um little uh, referrals or not referrals, but they, uh, they, they give me little scores on this, on the score sheet, uh, evaluation, if you will. And it's funny cause I'll go through them and it's always like the be- best class ever. Um, really enjoyed hearing your story. So when I mix in my story a little bit with, and I get really raw about, you know, what, what happened to me when I was little and what, you know, what I, what I was doing and, and the night of my suicide attempt, um, and so they listen, I get their attention really quick. Mm-hmm. And so I would say mostly it's I people are really, really awesome and, and receptive because it's I guess you know, I feel like God's repurposed me to go out there and, and do this. So I kind of have big guns upstairs <laughs> kind of backing me on this. But but yeah. um, you know, I always get one evaluation that's not very nice, and, <laughs> it's, and it's funny because I'm like, okay, this is the guy that needs it the most.
0: Mm. <laughs> so you're Your issue with post-traumatic injury took you down the substance abuse path. Right. How prevalent is that in your industry? Well,
1: I'll tell you this much. Um,
0: From different...
1: You know, I, I put down this, the video game controller a long time ago and I picked up these things called books and, uh, um, they have a lot of really good information in them. And so I've been listening to a lot of them and reading a lot of them. And the ones I've read that are really, really good when it comes to, uh, this subject say that, um, 50% of people with post-traumatic stress, um, dissociate with drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. So now you're talking, you're taking a whole group of people, right? First responders, and by the way, veterans, um, cops, firefighters, corrections, dis, uh, dispatchers—all these first responders—our brains don't know what uniform we're wearing or what badge we're wearing. Hmm. Trauma's trauma, okay. right? So um, I like to say that. But so, um, man, I'm—I'm a—I'm uh, I'm having a moment.
0: It's okay. So I have, I have many of those. <laughs> we got up a couple times last night.
1: So, why was I saying all that?
0: Oh, this is awesome. So talking about substance abuse.
1: So, right. So, so 50% uh, it's associated with drugs and alcohol, right? So here we're talking about a whole group of people who are traumatized because trauma is in the, in the, um, in the job description. And their old fashioned coping skill is to go have a beer. Well, I know for me, like if we met in the morning at the bar that opened at 6 a.m., um, everybody would leave at noon, and I was still there until closing time. Right. So, um, and a lot of people drink in silence. A lot of people, you know. But to answer your question, it's it's more prevalent than we think it is. Um, it's it's an old fashioned way of 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 coping and dealing with it that really gets a lot of people in trouble. So, I love the fact that. And you, you asked, you know, there, there's more stuff that I'm doing too, but in in regards to this i i'm you know alcoholics are my peeps mm-hmm. so i really want to and and with through shift wellness which is um a, a company that dr odom devin oday and i created um out of necessity for just going out and talking about um first responder wellness is that there were there were departments that we wanted to get uh, the the message across that hey look the answer is to get your people you know, help they need from the best people that are doing the work out there, that know what they're doing, that, we're, that we have good peer support teams that are making people feel comfortable enough to ask for help. We are writing algorithms um, on how to get people the time off, how, how to get them to the right place, get them paid, um, really making our first responders feel safe enough to ask for help where suicide is not an option that we get these people to these resources and get them back to work healthy. Um, and, and to finish, uh, finish out their career, right? That it's not a career ender. If you, you know, if you were dissociating and you got yourself in trouble by getting a DUI cause you were drinking and driving or something of, along that nature. Um, that we, we get you the help you need and get you back to work. Right. So, so to answer your question that, you know, a lot of us, a lot of us, um, dissociate with drugs and alcohol and, and sometimes it gets out of control. It stops working. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're an, uh, an alcoholic. It just means that your, your coping skill is using alcohol and it just stops working after a while, you know, and it can get you into trouble. So let's get these folks resources in back. So, and then through shift wellness, we, um, we do a lot of things we have, um, I, I, There was a uh, trauma retreat, like I talked about, Save a Warrior that I went to. And they um, treat first responders and veterans um, for free. It's, you know, and they do a really good job. Jake Clark started an amazing program and they, he likes to say they they moneyballed the suicide problem, which means they figured it out and they have the solution. Because since 2012, the last, you know, last time I talked to Jake, um, we've had over a thousand warriors with a plan to commit suicide ideation or both come through that program um and we've only lost four since 2012 so the va's looking at us and and how do you measure soul work there's no clinicians there it's all just warrior led and and so and there's a lot to that and and i try to to share with people when i'm speaking uh, bits and pieces of of how we end up what we say in the seat right so a lot of um spouses um, families are really, really important to me because I saw the the devastating effects that my post traumatic stress had on my family, right? Um, which we call secondary trauma. Uh, there's there's terms for it. There's medical n- names for it. We bring this stuff home to our families, and then all the alcohol abuse and all that, and the divorce, and uh, and so uh, women and men uh, spouses were coming home and saying, "Hey, look." Um, my so and so just came home from Save a Warrior. He's he's uh, doing really good, but I've been taking care of this fool and the house and the kids for the last ten years. What about me? Can I come to Save a Warrior? And um, I'm like, well, are you a veteran or first responder? And they're like, no. And I was having to turn them away, and it was breaking my heart. And and so, so uh, together with Dr. Odom. Um, uh, Shauna Hill Tiffany Atala um, who um, they're both clinicians um, who work with first responders um, Tiffany is um, works here at, at first responder wellness also I work with her husband um, at, at the fire department he's a captain um, and we put together a spouse's retreat called sage the sage project or the sage sage retreat and um, and it's uh, we've had um, a couple of them. Now we have another one coming up in July and it's just, it's wonderful. I love, I love doing these retreats because these women come thinking that they're going to um, learn how to um, live and, or cohabitate with their first responder. And they learn that, that it's about taking care of themselves first. Hmm. So, yeah, um, yeah. so I, ha- I wear a lot of hats. Um, I'm on the team at work also. Uh, I speak all over the country. Um, I, I um, what else? And it's weird. It's weird even like sometimes I'm like, I should write all this stuff down because, um, Oh, the other thing I'm really proud of too, is that, um, we've put together through shift wellness. We put together curriculum to, uh, to teach meditation from, um, to, uh, kindergartner through eighth graders. Hmm. Um, and we, uh, we pitched it to a couple, um, school districts and actually the San Juan Capistrano school district was going to pilot the program in second grades. Um, and then COVID hit and schools closed down. So, um, I'm a real advocate of of uh, meditation, that, like you've heard already a bunch, and um, and sobriety, and uh, and just working through childhood trauma, um, and I just make myself available um, all the time. Like I always tell people, my phone's always on, my phone number's out there in the world. I don't even care if you mm-hmm. if you're struggling and you need to just talk, call me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I stay well. Yeah.
0: Well, we are talking with Matt Fiorenza here on first responder Friday. And uh, today is actually the talk today is actually recorded live. And so Matt is with us here in the in the chat down below. If you want to ask Matt a question, he will respond to your question in the chat in the comments. So go ahead and put those uh, questions in the comments and uh, he'll respond to that. Matt, so in your work as you've gone around the country, have you dealt with both uh, paid and volunteer organizations? And what's the difference, and, and how have you seen a difference in those two groups?
1: Oh, that's a great question. You know, I, uh, I it's that is um, it's always an interesting conversation because right, we have we have these fire departments that have these very large budgets that um still may or may not have a line item on in that budget for peer support and mental health, right? Now we're talking about these rural areas across the country and in Canada that have um, volunteer firefighters that experience the same traumas that we do as paid firefighters. Um, And how do they get the help when the paid departments aren't even, you know, so it's, it's, it actually, it's, it's really sad. We, we, we try to um, we try to reach out to those folks as much as we can and, and share the resources because a lot of the resources that, um, uh, and some of the people that I work with, um, and, and they nonprofits, um, these resources are free, which is, is awesome. So, um, you know, the difference, the difference in the trauma is zero, right. But the difference in, in who's paid and who's not paid, it doesn't really matter when it comes to mental health. So, so, uh, we just try to, you know, douse them with all kinds of resources that, that are, um, that are, uh, from nonprofits one being another one is uh, Next Rung, which is a, a good friend of mine, uh, Charlie Brown and his partner, Blake in um, Georgia. Charlie's here in Glendale. And uh, they they have a, a, a nonprofit called Next Rung and they you know, you call them and they they'll help you get to a counselor and they'll pay for it. So there are so many of these nonprofits popping up um, that are vetted and that are really doing some good work. And um, and so we, we try to we try to give those volunteer departments, um, resources like that to where, Hey, look, if, you know, if you're struggling and your department's not really supporting you that much because you're working for free because for the love of the, you know, the work, which is, you know, gosh, maybe back in the day, um, I, I would have done it for free, but knowing what I know now, I don't know. So those people are really special, really special. So, um, you know, like I said, trauma's trauma is trauma. And, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't care if we're paid or not. And so we just try to give those people that the free, the free, um,
0: That's awesome. I mean, I live here in Emmitsburg, Maryland, which is the home of the national emergency training center mm-hmm. and our local fire station here apparently is one of the most visited fire stations in the country. And it's primarily a volunteer station and it's amazing. And, and I have the privilege now of, excuse me, <coughs> got to edit that out have the privilege now of uh, being able to ride along with them occasionally on some of their calls they've invited me to do that mm-hmm. and i've been speaking to some of them over the over the last few years and some of their the experiences they've had are just unbelievable mm-hmm. you know where they're going out on a call and it's a family member or it's a you know it's and those kind of things you know In fact, I spoke to one retired firefighter here's a volunteer. He's a local photographer. And he he was a a longtime firefighter. And he told me he's in his 70s. Now he said, you know what, when that whistle blows and here in town, the whistle still blows when the fire when there's an emergency, Uh just to let the community know that this is going on. He said, when that whistle blows, and I hear on the scanner that it's, you know, a fire working fire with entrapment, he said, that triggers me back to an event that happened 40 years ago. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. So that was 40 years ago and that still bothers me.
1: Right. And that's why, that's why you right, the, the idea between, between, um, for meditation and EMDR treatment is that, is that the, the brain is, is tricked if you will, into recreating REM sleep is where we process trauma and that, that, Those that clinician will talk you down that rabbit hole until that physiological response to that memory becomes less and less and less and less. And and through meditation that happens naturally, these things, you know, people have this idea that meditation is supposed to be, uh, you're supposed to be relaxed and it's supposed to take you here and there. But actually some of the stuff that comes up when I sit in the desert for 10 days is, is scary, you know, and I'm like, where did that come from? Mm. And it's the idea is that you can sit with it long enough, you know, you're safe in a safe place to let your body process it. And and a lot of firefighters we don't get good sleep. And I I mean, I I could tell you when, when I for a small amount of time, I lived in in the city that I work in. And I went into a call one time where um the girl who was having trouble was screaming my name because she knew me. And I'll tell you, it's one of those things that you just it when you don't know somebody, it's it's a lot easier to do the job than when you do. You know, so I couldn't, I really couldn't even imagine living in a community that and working in a community that small where, you know, everybody and you're, you know, wow, that's just, that's some extra trauma, right? Those are, those are extra snapshots that we, that we keep, you know, up here. And, and that's why I, yeah, absolutely. I, I drive through the city that I work in, especially on the West end of town, um, which is, you know, uh, dangerous and poor and, you know, and where there's a lot of crime and a lot of and I can look at buildings, and boom, there's that, there's that memory. Now, do I have a physiological response to it? Sometimes, you know. Um, most of the time, hopefully, um, I like to. I, I don't like the heart pounding one. I like the one where it just make it brings a tear to my eye, you know, because that's my body just processing, you know. But but to feel like you're you're standing there again after 40 years, that catches up to you, especially in our retirement, in our retirement years. You know, we unfortunately have a lot of people. Um, who retire from 30 years as a, as a firefighter or a law enforcement officer or or a dispatcher um, corrections officer who um, end up yelling at the wife and drinking too much. And they end up in the treatment center. And it's like, you you did way too many good things for so many people over 30 years. You should be enjoying the rest of your life and not sitting on the couch, hypervigilant replaying, you know um, calls that you went on 30 years ago and, and, it's just really sad. It's really sad, but there's a solution to it. You know, it's just asking for help and getting the right resources that, that work for you and getting, get, being honest, open, and willing.
0: What is needed to break down that culture of being unwilling or too macho or whatever to ask for help, to raise their hand and say, Hey, I need help. What, what needs to happen to in order to make that an easier step?
1: Um, well, first of all, I I was taught at, at Save a Warrior that that macho um, comes from um, some. So the work that we do there is all, you know, it's it, uh, it's all depth psychology. A lot of it in, in Carl Jung and, and his teachings, which were we call this the athlete warrior, you know, the athlete warrior. Right. Uh, warriors want to um, defeat, conquer and collect the rewards and athletes just want to look good. And then we end up in these in these archetypes um, as first responders um, when really we need to be statesmen and, and spirit, which is an all service to others. So we can get to, you know, back to wherever it is we came from. I call it God, you call the universe, whatever. Right. So, um, so we have a lot of athlete warriors out there with a lot of childhood trauma turns out. Mm -hmm. So we're, we have this, this culture of it's a shame based culture of people who, are covering up all this stuff inside with the badge and the promotion and the, and the new truck. And the, you know, um, I like to call, um, uh, mater- material solutions for spiritual problems. We're the best at it. Right. So, so how do we get through to these people and, and, and tell them, um, that it's okay to ask for help. So in, in my experience, number one, we come up with algorithms as, as, um, organizations that make it safe, and we don't threaten anyone's job. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's first and foremost, that's what
0: I've heard is the biggest thing is, you know, I'm afraid my job, I'm going to lose my job.
1: Right. Right. If I, if I, especially as a law enforcement officer, if I, if I say that, that this is what I'm thinking, they're going to take my gun away and you take my gun away. That's my, that's my career. And I've, I've been doing this for way too long, you know? And, and you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now, as you know, um, I, uh, a lot of it's mental health. You know, there's a lot of people in pain on both sides of whatever issue it is, right? There's, it's just a lot of, this planet has a lot of pain right now and people are in pain and they're, you know, and, and so a a lot of it is, it's, it's this, it's, it's shame, you know? And so um, we need to take away the stigma by, by offering these people the best um, resources that are out there, right? Because that's the other thing, all these all these places and people are popping up and they're saying, yeah, we, we treat first responders and come to us and this and that. And I'm, I'm hearing some not so good stories that, that people aren't delivering what they, what they say they are because they know we get a paycheck every two weeks and that we make pretty good money, right. In some places. And that, um, that we have good insurance. And so you, we got to be really careful that we're, and, and I think we are, that we're vetting out the right resources, right. So that when someone does ask for help, that's not normally used to asking for help. We get them in a place where, where they, um, where they're going to get the best care, right? So that's it's algorithms. How are we going to give the people the time off? We're not going to threaten their jobs. Um, it's not going to it's not going to cost them a promotion down the road, you know, things like that. Um, and then just just get more and more and more of us, um, especially at, in in um, command staff, um, you know, being just being vulnerable and being honest about, um, you know, maybe their own struggles. You know and just and making it really normal to to do a debrief and to, and to whether whether or not you want to be there yeah, it's uncomfortable to sit in some feelings but you being at a debrief um, which is voluntary for the most part might not be so much for you but for the guy next to you who needs to hear the message right to, to need that needs to hear your perspective of that call or you know we, we really just need to be we need to bring more of the brother and sisterhood, and fire family and these police family and these things we, we talk about that we've kind of gotten away from. Um, you know, I, I, I just think it, you know, it, it's should stop from the, start from the top down, but I think this is a movement, this, this mental health movement is really starting from the bottom up. I got to be honest with you, you know, it's just in some places. So we just, we need to make it normal. We need to make meditation and yoga and, and just, um, organic, um, holistic ways of healing, um, part of the, the everyday day in, day out, right? You see, you see first responders, they'll work out all day long, they'll lift weights and they'll eat healthy, you know, but there's body, it's body, mind, and spirit, you know, and and however that looks for whatever you believe, you know, that, um, that there is science behind meditation. It's not just a spiritual thing and that it actually heals your brain and that we make these things normal that, that I'm not such a weirdo. You know, the guys make fun of me at the station, but when they're having you know, which is all out of fun, but they'll pull me aside when they're having trouble sleeping and say, hey, Maddie, what's that? What's that meditation technique again? Can you can you show me how to do it? They make little memes of me, you know, with butterflies and morning meditation got me like this and that. But but they're listening, you know, and so we just we need to make some make these things just just normal and um, normalize it and really teach our new people. And that's why I, I, you know, I've been to the police academy also, and I've taught there, you know, not officially, but Anything, anytime anyone asks me to go out and speak, or definitely to teach meditation, I I, I jump on the on the um, that opportunity to do that. So yeah, it's just it's just about making making it normal and getting more people to, to be out there telling their story. Um, more working, we also work with, with a lot of workers comp um, when we're out there doing consulting for these for these um, departments you know, we're, we're helping some work with workers comp and some, you know, we have a really wonderful workers comp doctor that we've been working with in our city. That's really wants to, to, um, who understands that, that delaying treatment because of, a because you're going to deny someone the, you know, um, because you need to whatever, uh, look into it further or whatever, you know, workers comp is kind of a messed up system. You know, we're, we're working on it, but we're working with these doctors to say, Hey, look, we can't waste any time. We need to get these folks, um, off duty, and to uh, a clinician that can start working on them right away, and and so that they can get better and get back to work because it's an injury, just like if you were to break your arm, and uh, instead of thinking that workers' comp is a death sentence to retirement, you know, so it's just about changing the culture from the bottom up.
0: And when you have healthy first responders responding to my emergency, your emergency they they're better everybody's better right oh yeah they work better they can that the the end result is better and yeah for whatever the the tragic emergency is you know i mean sending a, a an injured first responder into someone else's worst day you know is to me as a civilian it's like that's crazy Right. You know, yeah, totally. It's like it's like you know, in warfare, to, you know, someone that you know had their leg blown off in a in a landmine, sending them out to into a firefight and helping someone else. You know, right? Dealing with their big injury, and and here it's 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 hidden, right? Right. And so I think it, when we can get first responders who are healthy, then everyone's better, and our community's better.
1: Yeah, totally and I, and I think it would it would solve a lot of the world's pro- problems right now. You know, people look up to us, you know, they how many how many people would hand you their not breathing baby hmm. and never know you. Right. You know? Right. It happens it happens all the time to us. So so the community trusts us and and right now there's, you know, there's there's not a lot of trust with some people and And that, I think, um, I think it's a mental health issue. I really do. And I think, like you said, I think people look up to us. They look up to the uniform. They, they trust us. And, um, and I think if we're mentally healthy and physically healthy, that that's just going to spill over into our communities.
0: Absolutely. Well said. So Matt, where can people get in touch with you? How can they reach you? What's the best way to do that?
1: So, um, the best way to get in touch with me is, is really, um, you can give me a call. Like I I'm, I'm no stranger to put my phone number out there, you know, um, I'll give it to you right now. It's seven, one, four, nine, one, seven, nine, three, nine, five. That's my phone number. And, uh, you know, I already, I already get a bunch of weird calls from people trying to sell me stuff. So if you want to give my phone number away, it's okay. But, um, but for every 10 calls I get like that, I'll get one person that's hurting and that's what it's all about for me. So, uh, to give me a call, send me a text, um, or you can send, um, an email. Um, I have a couple email addresses. Uh one matt at stable um, one matt.fiorenza at simple recovery.com, and Maddie at shiftwellness.com. So those are some of the ways you can get a hold of me. Any of those work. Uh I have a Instagram page, uh, it's um shift wellness is shift underscore wellness fireman maddie is my instagram page by the way my friends call me maddie you know as we get to know each other conrad you can call me um just kidding but um so uh yeah there's i have a facebook page that i'm always you know whenever i go speak at a fire department i always get 10 more friends on on facebook and stuff like that so i'm just you know i'm really just an ordinary guy who's out there you know trying to do my best to help the next person
0: you know Well, I want to say just for me as a civilian, thank you for your service and for for making the sacrifices to do what you do. I mean, you were up all night and, you know, you're you're making calls, even though I'm not in your city. Uh, Thank you for doing that and for making that community a better place. You're worth what you're doing. Yeah, you're worth it. And so we've been talking with Matt Fiorenza and he is actually right now live in the in the chat, in the comments below. If you have a question or you want to reach out to him. Uh, Perhaps Matt will put his his email address right there in the comments as we're talking, because this is a recorded show. And so I want to say thank you, Matt, for joining us today and for being a part of the program. I really appreciate appreciate what you're doing. Looking forward to getting to know you better. And as we start working on this film project and coming out to California and hanging out with you for a couple days, that'd be awesome in order to do that to to tell your story and to and to move the needle toward wellness for first responders.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. And I'm, I'm really honored to be, to be part of it. Really. It's about just getting the message out there to as many people as we can, that it's okay to not be okay.
0: So we have coming up in the next few weeks, we have a couple of other, other events actually next week we have uh, and I'm going to mess up her last name. So I'm just going to say this up front. Alicia Suede is going to be with us. She is a licensed counselor and we are going to be, Uh, recording her her interview actually this afternoon as well so she's going to come and talk about counseling and wellness for first responders and then coming up on on uh, friday july 24th i have kathy thomas she is a clinical director for the warriors rest foundation out of oklahoma she's going to be with us for first responder friday and so please put that on your calendar and join us for each friday as often as we can first responder friday today we have had the privilege of having Matt Fiorenza with us. And Matt, again, thank you. And for those of you watching, thank you for watching and participating. And please, please share this video and share the Facebook page for PTSD 901 movie and I would really appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. Thank you everybody for watching. You all have a great day. And we will talk to you again soon.